Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me this week are Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, we have some big Pistons news uh, that we need to get to. You guys alluded to it last week, um, but we are going to go and and get into uh, Dwayne Casey no longer being the head coach of the Pistons and his future role and some of those expectations for next season. Um, but first guys, how are you feeling after, after a kind of expected news drop? Doing good. You know, Jasper mentioned last week that, you know, he was hoping to hear something pretty soon uh, uh, in terms of the decision. I guess I didn't think it would happen this quickly. It was only a matter of days, literally the last game of the season. Uh, right after that, the, that the news came out that Dwayne Casey was no longer going to be the head coach of Detroit. So Definitely, definitely uh, a big thing to discuss, and I'm excited to get into that with you guys. Yeah, we figured it was coming last week. Um, you know, I, I maintained my position that they were going to hold on to him just because he got to be consistent, man. Uh, but yeah, you could really tell this was coming, especially when Greg Kelser did that interview with Dwayne Casey and just the way that he was talking to him, the way he was thanking him for everything that he's done with the organization. At that point, it was like, oh, okay. He's gone. And you're right. It absolutely happened really quick. And that's for the best. It's now time for the Pistons to start pivoting. And uh, really now the question now becomes, you know, who is your odds on favorite to become the next coach of the Detroit Pistons? And that is the big question leading into the offseason. It's it's a very important decision with a very young roster and a lot of potential change. And the odds on favorite. Um, I actually don't have the odds in front of me. <laughs> um, you know, the names that have been talked about, we will also get to them. The Charles Lees, the Adrian Griffins, um, things like that. Um, but I, you could, of course, go and check those odds. There it is. Bet online. <laughs> and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play prop and point at Bet Online. And you'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. And Bet Online is your betting headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus as long as you use the promo code BLEAVE, B L E A V, on your first deposit. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Bonus again, that's a B L E A V believe to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oof, Mike, you had me worried for a second there that you were gonna no, 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 fumble no, no, the handoff, no, no. but you know what? No, no, no. You you secured it, you took it through the hole, and like Shady McCoy, you just you had that thing like a loaf of bread in your arms exactly. as you took it to the house. That was beautiful. Thank you. It was the long play. <laughs> it's flea flicker. <laughs> That, that's exactly right. Um, okay, guys, we're going to get right into it. Um, Dwayne Casey's no longer the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Our very own Aaron Johnson wrote a great article for Palace of Pistons, which I certainly encourage all of you uh, to read about why this was the right time in the grand scheme of the Pistons rebuild uh, to move on from Dwayne Casey and you know, it, it, it was important that Aaron mentioned that he was not hired to be the rebuild 
uh, leader. He was hired um, at a time when there was still some expectation that the Pistons would be a playoff team. So to sort of have him stick around for as long as he did through a lot of losing, um, copious amounts of losing, and cycling of players and G League guys and fringe NBA guys, uh, I remember us talking about Frank Jackson being a really nice piece because he can shoot. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of losing, um, but he has steered the ship. You know, maybe the, there's water pouring in, but he has steered the, the boat. Um, he is a guy that the players respect, um, but he's no longer the head coach. And, you know, he's rewarded for all that losing and sticking with it by getting a front office role. Um, so following the season finale, uh, a, a unfortunate to watch one on one to 83 loss to the bulls. Uh, Dwayne Casey announced that he'll no longer serve as the head coach of the, the Detroit Pistons. He'll move into a role with the front office. Well, Aaron, as, as you alluded to, I guess I'll let you go first because you wrote about it. Was this the right decision to move on from Dwayne Casey? You know, if you're going to make the playoffs or you want to make the playoffs, that's your goal to be a competitive team would it not make sense to have kept Dwayne Casey, who is a guy that is probably more suited to taking on uh, a playoff team? That certainly was the idea with when Dwayne Casey was hired to be the head coach of this team. But I think when you are what the Pistons have been over the last three seasons, bottom of the league, it's hard to, to completely turn that ship under the same coach. You know, Dwayne Casey had his his time in Detroit and four straight seasons uh, of less than 23 wins. It's hard to get that buy-in and that belief that he's the guy to turn it around from the players, from the media, from the fan base. It's just going to be a hard selling point. And unfortunate for Casey because – as I talked about in my piece, it's the, the Pistons' lack of success over the last four years is certainly not all on him. It's on the front office as well for not putting together a roster capable of winning, for putting together rosters that were severely flawed with the intent of losing. That's not something that's on Dwayne Casey, but it's also tough on the flip side to be that guy. That's the coach of those groups. And then also be the guy to turn them around. There's not going to be a lot of buy-in in that. And when the Pistons, who next year, as of now, are are probably a 30-win ball club at best, 35-win ball club at best, unless some major moves are made this offseason, then you're just in that same position, and you're going to be saying after Dwayne Casey's let go next year that this is a move that should have happened a year or two already ago. And now you've just lost another year without the right guy manning the ship. I think it's good that the Pistons made this this decision. It was the right decision because you don't want to go another year with this same guy. But it's also important because you need to find that guy. You're starting to to really have those those cornerstone pieces of this team come into the fold with Kate Cunningham going into year three. Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern going into year two. Boyan Bogdanovich is expected to be back. And then you're going to add another top five pick to this grouping. There is your core. You have to develop these guys, and you certainly have to add some more talent. Like we've talked about before, uh, you know, throughout the course of this year on the show, they probably still need to go out and get an all-star level wing. Uh, if they truly want to be uh, have a chance to be a playoff team next year. So that's certainly not done. But you do have a lot of your core guys in place in theory. And so you need now that coach that's going to be their leader, their developer, that coaching staff that's going to develop those guys. And so I think it was imperative that Detroit didn't waste another season holding on to Dwayne Casey just to come up short again because of how far they are out from being a playoff team. And then the narrative would be, or the the feeling would be that 
they needed to do this a year sooner. They needed to do this two years sooner. So it was the right move. It's certainly not fair to Dwayne Casey because he certainly has a, a, a strong pedigree as a coach. What he did in Toronto was fantastic. He took a, a, a not great Detroit team to the playoffs uh, in his first season with the team. But he wasn't given a roster after that that was ever really capable of, of being uh, anything more than a 30-win a ball club, let's say. And they never got there. This year, it was just apparent from the beginning that this team was not in the right competitive mindset. They did not play the right way. And the lack of development outside of guys from outside of the rookies on the roster who, you know, they're obviously going to get better from game one to game 80 outside of that the lack of development was so apparent there was a lack of buy-in I think there was more sort of turmoil around uh, the locker room the guys were getting upset with each other and the intensity level things of that nature so it just was apparent that a, a, a move needed to be made a change needed to be made and now the Pistons have to make sure that that they make the right move uh, and the right hire for the next head coach and that's a lot of pressure on Troy Weaver to do just that. Absolutely. And you're 100% correct, Aaron, when you say that, look, the Pistons have won combined over the last three seasons, 60 games, Aaron. 60 games over three seasons, they've won that many games. And you know what? That's not Dwayne Casey's fault. It really isn't. The fact of the matter is the front office gave him a roster that was not capable of much more. And even if you had, I mean, Greg Popovich, you know, Phil Jackson in his prime as the head coach, I have a hard time seeing that they would win more than 10 more games in that time span. It's not Dwayne Casey's fault. And that's, I think, a big reason why most people are completely fine with him moving to the front office, staying as a part of this organization, because there are a lot of things he did well. Kept this roster together in terms of the locker room. Uh, you know that you're going to get good effort from the players that he's coached. And look, the fact of the matter is, you know, we can say what we want about Killian Hayes, but very few of the guys that have been drafted have flamed out. And look, the, the, the high draft picks have, for the most part, panned out as well. And a big part of that comes down to what is the locker room like? What is the organization like? What's the feeling? You know, I, I'm of the belief that it's very hard for star players to really fail unless, of course, they have a poor team around them in the sense of, like, they don't have good leadership, they don't have good guidance, the people in their camp aren't good, their coaching staff isn't on their side. To me, though, that's when your high draft picks really come out and fail because um, talent is rarely the issue there. And look, the fact of the matter is, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, all those guys look like studs. But... What you haven't gotten is anything really great from, from the middle tier guys, your Sadiq Bays, your Isaiah Stewart's. They haven't really panned out in the way that you would hope that they would. They're fine players, but he hasn't elevated them. And neither has that happened with any of the, the fringe guys that Troy Weaver's brought in. So I don't think there's been enough growth to really justify keeping him around as a mentor. And then also, like you said, Aaron, there's a ticking time bomb kind of here because look, Kate Cunningham's under contract for next year and they have a club option for the year after that. But the fact of the matter is you need to start talking extensions for your rookie guy. That's going to be on a max contract in year four. You don't do it when he's, you don't let him hit free agency, even as a restricted free agent, you don't want to do that with Kate Cunningham. So in order to have him, really feel comfortable with signing that extension, you need to have a, a structure around him that works for him. If you fire Dwayne Casey after next year, Cade Cunningham's going into the final year of his contract with a new head coach. And I think that, for me, makes it impossible for Troy Weaver not to move on. Because you, you need to make sure that you have the structure there to justify re-signing those young star players to good deals so you can compete in a couple of years when the Pistons are going to be there. So yeah, you're totally right, Aaron. It, it wasn't Dwayne Casey's fault, but this was a move that had to happen. There just hasn't been enough growth. There haven't been enough wins. And the clock is ticking when it comes to your young players. 
uh, you need to make sure that they're happy that the guy that you hire to bring in is going to be the coach that they're comfortable with and that you as an organization are comfortable with moving into the next step of your rebuild, which is competing for the playoffs. So that that's how I look at it personally. So growth is an important term uh, because as you said, there has been some stunted growth. And part of that is the environment that these players are in. When you throw Sadiq Bay into, uh, I think it was his rookie season when, you know, he was the, basically the primary scoring option when Jeremy Grant was down. Um, it was a lot of responsibility as a rookie, and that may have may have changed his growth pattern. Um, Kate Cunningham being the best player on the team as a rookie is not uncommon around the NBA, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's you know good for a player's growth. Um, so growth is an important important concept when looking for a head coach. So before we get into names, and the names have been mentioned um, of who the Pistons are interested in, Ime Udoka, um, Charles Lee, Adrian Griffin, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, as I mentioned, before we get into names and who we like, in terms of the traits of a head coach that the Pistons should be looking for in this young team, because it is it's not a crossroads yet, but it's getting there with the Kate Cunningham extension coming. Um, presumably, and a max extension at that. Um, n- now is the time to start to really put pieces together to be competitive next year and the year after that. And we'll get into wins, probably not in this podcast, but in a later podcast of what our expectations are going to be more next, like for next year. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but I think we're going to get obviously much more granular as the summer goes on. But um, for, for, uh, the head coach, what traits are you looking for? Are you looking for a particularly young coach? Are you looking for a coach who has all prior head coaching experience? Um, a player's coach? Uh, you know, what sort of things do you guys want to see the Pistons sort of gear their search towards in, in terms of characteristics? Well, I mean, for me, look, it has to come down to, and you just said it, development, growth. You need to have a guy who's going to come in there and be able to, yes, relate to the players. Yes, be a guiding, steadying influence in the way that Dwayne Casey was. But you also need somebody who's going to elevate what you're getting out there. And I think that that, for me, was the biggest issue with Dwayne Casey. You're getting a high effort outcome, yes, every night. But the fact of the matter is the the talent, the scheme, it's all like 50th percentile. Like, Isaiah Stewart shooting. It's the 50th percentile outcome of it. Killian Hayes is like the 50th percentile outcome this year of, of what his potential is. And I think even you look at like Sadiq Bey, he was able to grow a little bit, but there's just not that massive growth. There's not that big leap. There's not that, wow, we have this guy who's flawed, but we're getting, you know, the 99th percentile outcome from him. You're not running plays that are, you know, amazing game-winning plays. You're making too many small errors. It's good, but not good enough to get you those extra wins. So for me, that's what I'm looking for. I want somebody who is, yes, young, but but has enough experience to know what the NBA is and what it takes to win in the NBA. I want somebody who's got a good grasp of X's and O's. But most importantly, I want somebody who's going to maximize the talent I have on the roster. And that for me was the biggest, the biggest shortcoming of Dwayne Casey. I don't think he got enough out of those, you know, mid-tier talented guys. For me, that's what I want for my next. You know, I think for me, it comes down to, and it kind of goes back to what I had said, you know, when I first spoke in the podcast, uh, player development is going to be so important for, for this group, right? We've, as I said, a lot of the core pieces are already in place. They have another top five pick coming in. Uh, so they have a lot of young pieces on the roster. And then even some of these other guys who, you know, I don't know what their future holds in Detroit. I've I've obviously had my, uh, you know, issues with Killian Hayes and, and Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. But, like, these guys are on the roster. You still have someone like Isaiah Stewart, who the Pistons are confident in being a part of their core moving forward. So this roster is so young and it has so many young pieces that when you look at them, they are really in need of of 
development. They're, they're, they're just too raw. And that's from Killian Hayes to James Wiseman to Jalen Duran to Jaden Ivey. Like all of these guys are raw. And the, the previous coaching staff did not get enough out of them, did not develop them from year one in the case of guys like Killian Hayes or Isaiah Stewart to year three. And so for me, it, it's important that this coach, and not just this coach, but the coaching staff that's going to be put into place, because it's just as important that the head coach as the head coach are the assistants and the staff, the, the support staff around him. It has to be a group that is committed to player development. You know, I don't want a coach coming in that is so, my, you know, has that mindset of like, I'm going to play my vets. My young guys are, are going to, you know, just have to figure it out and earn in practice or whatever. Like, a He's George like, Carl guy, like a George Carl or a Tom Thibodeau, right? That's like the opposite of what you want. Sure. So, you know, I, I need a guy that's going to come in and, and and help these guys and play them and play them through their mistakes, but also develop them through these mistakes so that they become better players. Um, That's very, very important to me. And I think it's important that, and I'm I'm thankful that we haven't gotten those reports of, you know the those those cliche names that come up when when a lot of these teams are are making coaching hires of you know Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, like those types of coaches who they're just not going to develop a young team. At least that's not the perception that they give off. Especially those two guys who you know we hear so often as as NBA commentators. Um, not a knock on you know what they did as coaches. Obviously, both of them had success. But just from from hearing the way that they speak, they don't really sound like the type of coach that would come in and, and really benefit this group. Uh, I don't necessarily, you know, think the Pistons have to get one specific guy in this market. I certainly have my favorite. I'm sure I mentioned it on last week's show. I mentioned it in my article uh, that dropped on Thursday. But there is a, a group of coaches out there. There are coaches out there that even if the Pistons miss out on, on my top guy, that they can go get, but it's important that as they go through this process, they start to get a grasp of who that coach's support staff's going to be. I, I think you you look at the NBA, the best coaching staffs, you know, the best coach in the league has a great assistance staff. They have great, you know, head or excuse me, they have great assistant coaches across the board. Uh, so that's that's important to me as well. Mike, did you notice how professional that was from Aaron? He said, oh, the article that came out on Thursday, even though we're recording on Thursday, because he knows it's dropping tomorrow. Oh, my God. That's 12-dimensional chess, man. Right. He is. Uh, we, he has clearly done this before. We need a coach with that kind of game planning. That's what we need. My services Sorry, are available. I, I, I could be quartered <laughs> for the right amount. Oh, really? right there, the price is right. <laughs> you you heard it here first, Tom Gorris. The price is right. Aaron Johnson there, can't there be is yours. A number. I'm just saying, there I make a number as a podcaster that you know you're gonna have to 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 come heavy if if you if you want my services. Fair enough. He, his his uh pockets are deep enough. I think he can afford you, but it's not entirely certain. Um, you might have to open up a couple new prisons in order to do that. So, oh god. <laughs> uh, moving along um, from a can of worms, so potential names, um, guys that you like that could replace Dwayne Casey. I mentioned several of them throughout the podcast. Aaron mentions his favorites in the article that's dropping, or that has dropped on Thursday. Um, if you haven't already read it, I certainly recommend doing so. And there's a hodgepodge of names of young guys who are player development focused, who have playoff experience as being assistant coaches. Um, Jasper, who who to you should be um, the coach that the Pistons choose to succeed uh, Dwayne Casey? And, <laughs> and, you know, maybe give off like two names because – yeah there's other teams that are going to be vying for services. I mean, the Toronto Raptors are probably going to be moving on from Nick nurse. Um, they're going to be looking for a, a head coach as well. They're already a play in team with uh, the rookie of the year from last year. So, you know, there's going to be other teams vying for services of good coaches. It won't just be the Pistons, even though 
the team and the draft picks and the situation of the talent that they have in their roster is, is certainly enticing for a, a head coach. There's, there's, there's other teams out there that are going to be vying for some services. So give us like, give me like two names. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as people who listen to this podcast know, both Aaron and I definitely throw out Ime Udoka as, as our number one candidate last, last week on the podcast. And that hasn't really changed for me. I will throw another name into the blender though. Uh, somebody that we haven't mentioned so far and somebody that Aaron didn't touch on, Chris Quinn. Uh, Chris Quinn, he's he's an assistant coach for the Miami Heat. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I just, I freaking love Eric Spolstra. I think that guy is just an awesome coach. One of the best, not just in the league, but in NBA history. And not just, you know, do I love what he does as a coach, but I love how Miami found him. He was really a guy that didn't have a lot of, you know, hype around him, a lot of buzz around him. He's just a damn good coach, and he knows film, and he knows X's and O's, and he's a young guy. Um, but he still had clearly put in enough work over the years to where players like LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh all respected him. I think Chris Quinn is definitely a, a, a coach that fits that same kind of mold. And in fact, look, you're talking about a player, a guy who was a player in the league for oh, damn, I had to have been for a decade, um, you know, got out of the league, has been on Miami's staff for the last eight years, I believe, since 2014, and he's actually taken over for Eric Spolstra a couple times. Um, I'm I'm probably going to retweet it. There was a great play that he ran to get the Miami Heat a win earlier in this year against, uh, I believe, the Houston Rockets, where he had Gabe Vincent throw a lob to Jimmy Butler for the win while Eric Spolstra was out and Jimmy Butler himself even said, you know, that's what happens when you got a guy from Notre Dame that's smart. He's going to be a head coach one day very, very soon. So for me, I'm looking at that. That is to me another guy that should absolutely be talked about. He has the gravitas as a former player. He has been on a coaching staff for eight years, which is very hard to do as an assistant and not only that, he actually has coached a few games to rave reviews from his own players. So for me, that's got to be another guy that that fits the mold for sure, uh, especially when you talk about a team like Miami that never has draft picks, but somehow continually manages to re, you know, restock the cupboard when it comes to young players, when it comes to undervalued guys, when it comes to getting development from players that maybe aren't coming in the league with the most talented, but come out of it with great, great versions of themselves. So I think Chris Quinn, Emo Adoka, those are two guys I'm absolutely looking at. Aaron, we already oh. kind of know who you're looking at, but right. was there anybody else? If I can interject real quick, please. Uh, Chris Quinn did play seven seasons. Uh, he has a, his career high is 26 points. Do you know <laughs> who he scored those 26 points against? Oh, my God. The Detroit Pistons? Yes, he did. On April 15th, okay. 2009, he went 9 of 13. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that John Custer era? No, that's your – oh, my God. All right, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was gross. Well, good for him. Okay, former Pistons killer coming back as a Pistons legend. Let's hope it happens. Right. All right, Aaron. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I like when things are cyclical like that. Like what Jasper said, Udoka is still my top choice to be be the Pistons' next head coach. I think he's obviously the name that's going to be desired by, I would imagine, every single team that has a, a head coach position opening uh, this offseason. And I think, I mean, my goodness, if a team like Toronto keeps that group together or, or tries to – move some future assets or consolidate some of those guys into getting a, a star name that comes along, getting a coach like Udoka, uh, Udoka who has that experience already of leading a very good team certainly, you know, makes it harder to imagine that the Pistons could land a guy uh, like him, but there's other teams that are already have already been reportedly interested in him, such as the Houston Rockets. So, you know, yes, he's my favorite. Yes. He's the guy that I want but I don't necessarily think that it's the the likely outcome for Detroit. Uh, I think Chris Quinn is a great name. I, I think Jasper 
you know, I don't need to add too much to what Jasper said, A, because Jasper said a lot of great things, but B, because I didn't know nearly half of that stuff uh, that Jasper brought up. So I think Chris Quinn was already a name that I was, you know, somewhat interested in, didn't know a ton about, and Jasper just in that last, you know, minute and a half kind of sold me on it more than I possibly probably could have myself. Um, some of the other names that come to mind, at least that have been talked about, Brian O'Keefe worked as an assistant uh, with Oklahoma City and the Brooklyn Nets. Excuse me, Brian Keefe, not Brian O'Keefe, but uh, has a relationship with Troy Weaver. Was a name that was mentioned as a guy that the Pistons are going to consider. Uh, so a name to keep an eye on. Not necessarily someone that I'm super super aware of, but just a name that that seems to be going around more and more uh, as more time passes. Um, I, I'll give one coach that, on the flip side, I don't really want the Pistons to hire. And that's Jerry Stackhouse. Now, that's probably going to be an unpopular comment because of, obviously, his tenure with Detroit. He's very popular locally. But I just have some reservations about him. His his job at, at Vanderbilt has not gone all too well. There was some talk at the be beginning of this season uh, that if he didn't make the tournament with Vanderbilt, that they should let him go. Uh, they didn't make the tournament. They lost in the NIL. Um, you know, not saying he's a terrible coach, but I just there wasn't necessarily enough shown in his four years at Vanderbilt to to make me think that he's ready to make the jump to the NBA. Um, he does have some experience as an assistant in the NBA. He won a NBA D League championship back in the day with the Raptors nine oh five. But just the just. I think there are some better candidates out there, and I know Stackhouse is going to get a lot of love from from the local fan base just because of his ties with with the Pistons. But I don't necessarily think that that would be the best choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I think I'm in lockstep with Jasper. Like, I think it's it's Ime Udoka, and then Chris Quinn is is someone that that's really interesting. I was talking with, uh, actually, the former co-host of, of this exact podcast, Ryan Payback, during the 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 pre-pandemic days and he was talking to me about how Chris Quinn might be the guy like he's you know he was really high on him as well so I guess great minds think alike and, and more and more people seem to to like him so I think Chris Quinn would would be a, a good hire as well I think anyone that that works as closely uh, with Eric Spolstra as he does and the success that he's had Eric Spolstra is potentially the best coach in the NBA so I think that would be a great hire a young guy playing experience uh, and has worked under under one of the best staffs uh, in the entire league. So kind of in lockstep uh, with Jasper. Hate to hate to be that guy. You know, it's not necessarily the most entertaining thing, but tried to give you at least a little bit with with the Jerry Stackhouse stuff. Uh, Charles Lee seems like a, a very popular name as well in terms of being a guy that's known for his player development. I mean, he's done that under Mike Budenholzer, and, and Mike Budenholzer has really sung his praises. So that seems to be a very popular name linked to to the Detroit job. As well, so I'll be keeping an eye on Lee too. I'll I'll also throw out a, a guy I don't want, and that's Nick Nurse. I I have no interest in Nick Nurse uh, coming to Detroit. Just zero. Uh, I think the way that I mean Toronto has fallen apart over the last couple of years. Look, he clearly can take you over the top as a coach if he has the the players there. Uh, but when it comes to rebuilding, when it comes to a team with a lot of different parts that need to be put into the right position to succeed, he has not not done a good job there. So that is a guy I would also like the Pistons to take a pass. So I do like Charles Lee. Um, he's got extensive coaching experience. He's He's been with Coach Bud, with Mike Boonholzer, since the Hawks days. So he's he's been around a winning environment. Uh, for a long time. Uh, Adrian Griffin is another name that has come up. He's currently an assistant coach uh, with the Toronto Raptors. He's been an assistant since 2008 uh, with the Bucks, with the Bulls, with the Magic, with the Thunder, uh, and now with Toronto. He's another name that has circulated almost every offseason as a, as a future coaching hire. Um, Kenny Atkinson, who was going to be, I believe, the Charlotte Hornets head coach before he said never mind, and I think he backed out. I think that's another name that's going to pop up a lot in coaching circles, although it's really weird in Golden State right now. There are people that are 
pretty positive that Bob Myers and Steve Kerr are going to be gone, um, or at least Bob Myers. So that's a really fluid, weird situation. Maybe Kenny Atkinson's waiting for that job to open up since he's currently an assistant over there. Um, but that's another name, a guy who developed the Brooklyn Nets out of the dumpster and brought them up to be a playoff team with D'Angelo Russell and that that group. Um, so he's another name that's going to get plenty of talk uh, as well. Um, the player development needs to be the key, like you guys said. you got a lot of young, raw talent on this roster. It's going to be another very interesting offseason of who the Pistons are targeting to fill the wing role because it's, it's a glaring hole right now. And you, you, you want a coach that's going to be development first and a guy that the players respect. Um, not that they didn't respect Dwayne Casey, but you've seen stories around the NBA. Sorry, Steven Silas, but of where the, you just lose the locker room. And they, they have another very young roster, lots of lottery picks, uh, and lottery-level talent, um, that just did not work. Even though Steven Silas is a young coach, um, it was very highly touted, but it still didn't work out. So not only is the development important, but having the command uh, to res- or, um, having the respect of your players is also also very crucial. And I think all, all the names we listed here are, are, are names that uh, they're, they're guys who have been a, assistants for a very long time. Um, you're not looking at some very you know super young, fresh face um, I think all, all of the coaches that we looked at have some sort of extensive assistantship with several teams. Um, although Chris Quinn has been with the heat for a really long time. Um, he might be the lone, uh, name that we mentioned where he was, he's only been with the heat, the, the, basically the whole time. Um, so interesting choices. I didn't even think about Ime Udoka, if I'm being totally honest, until um, I was sort of jogged uh, of, of his existence through our group chat. I, I, to- I d- totally didn't even think about uh, that that name. Does he not seem more of like a coach? Because he was almost hired by Brooklyn um, during their – I mean, that feels so long ago. Their season has been so bizarre with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That Udoka near hire seems like it was three years ago for some reason. Are you worried about any like, like which teams are you worried about probably leapfrogging and getting Ime Udoka first or instead of Detroit? Because it's a very unique situation that the Pistons have here. Like, let's just say that they don't get the first pick, they get the fourth pick, and fire falls out of the sky. You know, does the does our draft like do you think that the Pistons will hire somebody after the lottery? Is that is that gonna be an important factor? for an incoming head coach or is that not going to matter or I mean well that's that's for me kind of why I think they are going to go with a Chris Quinn type I just don't think you're I don't think even with the number one pick that your situation is more appealing to a guy like Ima Odoka who like you just said almost had the Brooklyn job if it wasn't for Kyrie Irving um having some interesting thoughts uh about certain ethnicities um Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, that's the biggest issue. And Aaron even said it. Like, that's the biggest problem when it comes to to hiring somebody like Ime Odoka is that he's going to be the number one coaching candidate for a lot of teams. And if those are teams that have solid rosters, that have playoff aspirations, that have championship aspirations, I mean, look, what if Doc Rivers is gone in Philly after this year? Like, if they flame out in the conference semifinals, he's just not going to be back again. So if I'm Emo Doka, I'm looking at that. And I'm saying, ah, I got Joel Embiid. I think I'll, I like my chances there. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective, to me, a Chris Quinn and Adrian Griffin, who, by the way, I think is probably going to be Toronto's next head coach, um, or Charles Lee, I think those are the guys that maybe then become more appealing. I don't think it necessarily matters if you take them before the lottery or afterwards, because the fact of the matter is, whatever player you get is going to be on your team. So they don't really have any sort of say in who your next head coach is. To me, that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, Whoever comes in knows what they're going to have on this roster. They're going to have a top five pick. 
Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and Jalen Duran. And if that's not a good enough selling point for you, then you're probably not interested in Detroit anyway. So that's kind of how I look at it. Aaron, do you have a different perspective on it? Because even though Udoka is my number one candidate, I will say I don't think he's the most realistic. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement there too. I don't think he's the likely candidate for Detroit, even though he's he's the favorite. He's going to have his pick of the lot is, is what it seems like. I think, you know, every every, every team that has an opening is going to want Ime Udoka. And for him, that means he kind of gets to wait it out and see what happens with Philadelphia, what happens with Toronto, what happens with all these teams after the playoffs, if they decide to go a different direction, if they decide a coaching change is necessary. Because if you're Ime Udoka, yeah, you do want to go coach Joel Embiid more than you want to go to a Piston team that, like I said earlier, is probably not getting more than 30, 35 wins next season. So he's going to have to sit and wait. Meanwhile, the Pistons, on the other hand, would probably like to figure out who their coach is sooner rather than later. And it's easier to do that when you're getting a guy that's been an assistant, isn't, you know, the the highly sought after super public name like Udoka is. So you had mentioned the 35 wins being very lofty expectations. Um, Let's let's get into our second topic, which which definitely ties into the head coach um, topic as, as as well. Expectations for next season, just very surface level. This is going to ebb and flow constantly. It's going to ebb and flow based on where the Pistons are picking in the lottery. Um, and of course, if they do get Victor Wembanyama and he turns out to be Tim Duncan, then that raises the ceiling immensely. Um, but expectations for next year, you'll get Cade Cunningham back. Um, the players know it's a big year. They have to take a leap. They won't be um, – well, the fans are definitely not going to be satisfied with another sub-20 win season or picking probably top eight in the draft again, maybe top six. Um, I'm going to say top eight. I don't, I don't think any of us would be happy to be picking top eight again. How much pressure do you think there should be on the new head coach to get the Pistons to the next level? And I think it's probably important to define what next level means. Is next level just competing for the 10th seed? Is it competing for a play-in spot period? Because we just watched the Orlando Magic get Paolo Bancaro make a big leap, but they already had a lot of quality players on the roster like Franz Wagner and Markel Fultz came back and was quite good. And Wendell Carter Jr. was, you know, was awfully good. And, and that's a team that took a big leap. They were a 35-ish win team. Um, and that's that would be what? 20. How many more wins? 15, 16, 18 more wins from what the Pistons have? Yeah, to get to 35, you got to win 18 more games. I mean, you have to so more than double your win. Time. More than double your wins? Yeah. It's that's just too difficult. And and Mike, like I you know, we say no free clout, but I got to give a little shout out to Jack Kelly, who wrote an article the other day. Um, I mean, there's been two teams in the last 30 years that have made the playoffs after finishing with the worst record in the league. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's and there's been no there's been two that have even finished as like the 10 seed as the right. 10 seed after finishing with the worst record in the league. So like. Even making the play-in, it's not impossible. I mean, you you know, but it is, it's going to be really hard. And you can say all you want about Kate Cunningham being out for this year and getting potentially Victor Webanyama, new coach, free agent, all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, history is not on your side here. Even just to make the play-in. Forget the playoffs. The play-in, oh, yeah. it's going to be really hard. You know, we've seen it the last couple of years. There's been a couple of teams that we've said it over and over again. Oklahoma City, Cleveland, they're good examples. But realistically speaking, they are the exceptions to the rule, not the rule. So, right. yeah, you know, it's it's going to be hard. So so then what, what would be um, the next level for this Pistons team? You know, try to try to think of it without the draft pick for right now, you know, just this is the growth of a, 
of a player and not everybody has linear growth, of course, but what is that next level? Is it 30 wins? If this team wins 30 wins next, or if this team has 30 wins next year, I think personally that's an unabashed success. I don't care if they make the play in or not. I don't care if they're eliminated, you know, a month later uh, than what they were this year, essentially. 30 wins next year, I think, would be a huge success. Is it a, the playoffs? No, probably not. But 30 wins is a 13-win increase. That's massive. It's not that that's not a, a, a massive jump in the win total, but to me, the next step for this team is the play-in. Like, you can be a, the 15th seed or you can be the 12th seed. That doesn't really move me one way or the other. What matters to me is if you're fighting for a playoff spot. And when I look at what the Pistons did this year, obviously they lost Kate Cunningham right away, but they chose to shut down Bogdanovich and Stewart, Diallo, and Burks, they mailed it in. So is this team a 17-win team this year in reality? No. I don't know exactly where they are. You know, they're certainly not a 30-win team. They're not that good. But they're they're also not 17 wins bad. And when I look at next year, Cunningham back and these other guys back and another draft pick and the the supposed big moves coming that Bogdanovich told the world were coming courtesy of Troy Weaver there needs to be a significant leap that's not necessarily on whoever the next coach is it predominantly falls on Troy Weaver to make that happen because they need to make the right roster moves this offseason. They need to sever ties with dead weight and add functional, good basketball players to the team in order to make any sort of leap. So it's not just on the coach, but if you're telling me that you're essentially adding Cade Cunningham a top five pick and a supposed big off season is coming. I would have to hope that this team is going to get past 30 wins next year. Like that really shouldn't be in my mind. That shouldn't be the goal for this team. The goal for this team should certainly be higher. And to me, that's the play in turn. Oh, I, I, I agree. The goal should be the play in. Being the, the 10 seed or being the 12 seed, like the difference in that is so minuscule. And at the end of the day, you're you're in the same position as either spot. You're a lottery bound team who didn't make the play and didn't make the playoffs. Like the Pistons have to hold themselves to a higher standard next year as coaches, as players, as a front office. But they all are so equally important that, you know, unless the Pistons do go out and get some multi-time all-star level player, bring in Cade Cunningham, bring in a top five pick, it still falls short. Like, then maybe what happened coaching-wise, what happened strategically where this team couldn't get to, to 40 wins? You know, what happened where this team wasn't able to get to 38 wins and qualify for the play-in? Well, I think – oh, I'm sorry, Mike, please. Say, I, oh, I'm – Oh, I'm sorry, Aaron. Uh, no, I, I just quickly wanted to say, like, I, I look in that case though, that's not on the coaching staff, right? Agree. Then the res- yeah, then the responsibility if they're not making the play in next year, you know, then you have to start looking at Troy Weaver, I, I think. Unless, of course, whoever you well, no, if you do hire a head coach who's a total disaster, that's also on Troy Weaver. So yeah, it's on Troy Weaver next year. There are no more scapegoats after this season, and that's just the fact of the matter. Like injuries or not, Kate Cunningham goes down next year and the Pistons finish with 25 wins. Guess what? That's still on Troy Weaver. I don't care. I like I injuries happen. The fact of the matter is you have to build a good roster and he's going to be year four next year. So, yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you on that, Aaron. The Yes, the next step does have to be the play in. 
do I think they're going to make it? Mm -hmm. I I would have them at like, I mean, it depends where they fall in the draft, but even if they get Webin Yama, I'd say they have about a 35% chance of making the playoffs. And that's the best case scenario. Um, I, I think otherwise, I mean, you are probably looking at a 30, 35 win team next year. And that's just not enough to take you into the play in. Do I think that's necessarily going to be a failure? No. But do I think that would count as taking the next step? Also, no. I yeah. think that just means I've, that you are where you're you're kind of like where you should be, right? Like you are where the expectation for a team like that is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I guess what I was getting towards was is it a fail like I don't think like 32 wins. I don't I guess I don't see that as a failure. Of course, it really depends on who they're getting this offseason, what the roster looks like before we can even get into anything like that. Um, but in terms of pressure on the head coach, how so how much pressure is there going to be? Like, are, are you going to ask uh, a, a Charles Lee and Adrian Griffin, a Chris Quinn? we need to get to the playoffs this year. I mean, of course that they're going to say that in press conferences and in interviews and say, yes, our goal is the playoffs, our goal is playing, whatever. But how much pressure should there be on the new head coach to actually get them to that level? I totally agree. The goal needs to be the play-in. Injuries happen. Things happen. Growth isn't linear for every player. Sophomore slumps exist. So is you know, the 11th seed, they just miss. Are we going to categorize that as a, as a, as a failure of a season? How much, how much pressure should there be on this new head coach coming into next season to get the Pistons to where they need to be? It's got to come down to the off season. Honestly, like it, look, if you get the five pick and you bring in Harrison Barnes or something, I, I, I don't even know. I, I honestly don't have a good like guy who would be middle tier that you would bring in that could sort of help you out on the wings, but not enough to get you into the playoffs. Um, it depends on the head coach. It depends on the off season, honestly, because look, the fact is if you get Ime Udoka, I think the expectations have to be a little different than if you get Chris Quinn, right? Like if you're getting a first time head coach, you, you have to allow him at least a year to grow into the job. It depends way more what they're doing at the end of year, end of the year, going into next season, sorry, right. the following season, than it does at the beginning of the season, blah, blah, blah. If it's Ime Odoka, you, you know, that dude's got to step in day one and get them some wins. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, you've taken that, a team that, to the finals. That, to me, is a push-your-chips-to-the-middle type of move. Sure, and but look, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be making that move, though, because if he's Correct. the right head coach and he's willing to take the job, forget it. Oh, You hire the right head coach him. and hire the right head coach. Um, yes, but yeah, I think, absolutely. I think, I think really it has to come down to like, what does this off season look like? Who are you taking in the lottery? Who are you bringing in free agency via trade, whatever it may be? Um, you know, we haven't talked about Tobias Harris on this, on this podcast. We will going into probably next week's podcast. We're going to talk about, you know, this last season, next season. But to me, I just think it's too soon to say how much pressure there should be on whoever their next head coach is. Yeah. Again, I think the pressure is not necessarily on the head coach. It's on Troy Weaver. It's on the front office to do what they've said that they're going to do. What we've been told is going to happen. It's now on them to find a way to get that done because if the Pistons are able to put together a roster that, you know, is, is capable of making, a run is capable of making the play in competing for a playoff spot. Then there's more pressure on the coach, but until that happens, you can't expect a coach to come in and take this group the same way. In reality, we didn't really expect Owen Casey to take this group to the playoffs. You can't expect this, this new coach to come in and really change that, that the pressure right. the coach would then be to really develop these guys even in a losing season get them playing hard get them playing defense get them making the right plays that's where the pressure would be not necessarily in the wins and loss loss column agreed so we'll have to put a pin in this topic and after the pistons hire a head coach 
and maybe after the lottery, we can start to talk about pressure and expectations for next season. But obviously, we're we are expecting substantially better than what we just witnessed. Substantially. And a lot of injuries happened and a lot of, there were a lot of other factors and ping pong balls and whatnot. Um, next week, maybe a wrap up podcast just to talk about the season as a whole. Um, but I want to end this week's show on a positive note. I mean, Dwayne Casey was here for a long time. He was probably one of the five longest tenured head coaches in the NBA. Probably. I don't know where he fell. I remember seeing it on Twitter somewhere. It didn't, retain that information but he was here for a long time and through some of the worst losing that this organization has ever seen um, and largely didn't flinch um, which you expect out of a, a guy like him so I'd like to end this podcast on on a, a nice note let's say something positive about Dwayne Casey like for for example it could be about his new front office role which has not been defined by the organization yet but sticking around with the organization I mean that's that's obviously a positive um, I think he's earned that right as well but let's say something positive about Dwayne Casey's tenure as the head coach of the Pistons there were ups and downs a lot of downs um, but you know he stayed stoic no matter what so anybody uh, nobody, uh, nobody died. Something. Nobody died. Nobody yes, died. That is a positive. That that was good. We know of at least. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody died, and nobody got arrested. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, outside of uh, outside of him, essentially saying, "Sacred and Boya had no confidence in life whatsoever." Uh, he well, he called him a virgin. <laughs> he said basically, about he's like, he yeah, yeah. He basically was like, "Dog, you get you get none." Uh, and then, of course, Killian Hayes had the opposite problem in France. He got he got too much action, and then his game fell apart. So, you know, that that was a flaw of Dwayne Casey, I will say. He did not get his players the right amount of laid. I, that, that was a flaw. I was going to say outside of, <laughs> outside of him, uh, you know, essentially bashing Sekou Boya. he never really seemed to clash with, with any of the players on the roster uh, or, or have any of the, uh, of that, you know, kind of sprawl into the media and, and into the public. Uh, he did a good job of just being a a professional uh, relations. Aaron is reeling yeah. over there. Oh, yeah, he did a good job. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I can't anymore. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Well, um, <laughs> you know, you know, um, uh, you know who can absolutely get you a little action. Uh, Daddy Troy. Oh, Daddy no. Troy always, always gets his man. Uh, Do we know if Believe will pay for a soundboard? Leave us, Mike. I think, I think, I think we need a soundboard. I think that's the evolution of this oh podcast. As we get I, I, either a soundboard or a muzzle, one of the two. <laughs> Maybe yeah, both. one way or the other. It's an extreme one way or the other. I, I think we should have both, uh, just in case. Uh, you know, like I, I also break glass and it's a soundboard. I also like two options, and uh, I don't mind if one of them is a um muzzle. Okay, and Daddy with, Troy. With that, there's no that, way. That. There's no way. <laughs> can we get? Can we get sued? Is that? A th- I don't know how, but are you know, like, can we get sued for impersonator for like libel or something? Um, uh, no, I'm the one and only Daddy Troy. Uh, uh... Now we're gonna get sued. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Get, come Man, for my pay- come for my come for my bet online paychecks. I dare you, Tom. I dare you. Triple dog dare you. <laughs> Uh, well, he's going to be totally broke after paying Aaron to be the head coach. So I, you, you, you may be in the clear. Uh, if he comes after me, I'm also going to break him in half like a Kit Kat bar. Um... <laughs> Daddy uh, Troy! Aaron may have left the podcast. I have not heard him. Permanently. Like Permanently. Two minutes. And I right. think that's, I think that's <laughs> the time for us to wrap it up. Yeah, that's, that's the time for us to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, well, on that note, um, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part 
of the Belief Network. We hope you'll stick with us. Season is over. We made it. We survived. We did podcasts constantly all season for a team that uh, definitely made it difficult at times for us to talk about basketball for a full hour. Um, but we did it. And we're very grateful that all of you joined us uh, throughout the season. It was still a lot of fun. Losing aside, it was still a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have a lot more content heading into the offseason. As we've said many times, it's a big offseason. And uh, we really hope that you'll be joining us along the way. So for my co-hosts, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia, I am Mike Anguilano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. And we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.